Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others, here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host all the way from Tucson, PK. How are you tonight? Absolutely fabulous. It's a beautiful day, warm but beautiful. Can't be that good. One. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm the flowers so and glad to hear everything. That. Weeds are almost knee high. We've never had so much <laughs> rain in years. <laughs> wow! But it's worth oh, every bit of it. Cactus are starting to oh, straighten wow. up, and they look like the hunchback of Notre Dame for so long. <laughs> so they needed that rain. Well, we're getting a big storm tonight, so hopefully I won't get kicked off the air. But you know what to do if I disappear. So I'll do my best to I get right you. back on. <laughs> Oh, we've what got a, a great, great guest time. tonight. I just, I'm so excited. I know you are too, to have Christina Rasbold with us. She is amazing, and we so enjoy her. And this new book that she's going to be yeah. talking about tonight. Wow, that we is something, it, isn't it? Yes. What her ideas of the things that she's put out? It's, it's just mind-boggling the things that she's put out there for us to take a look at. I, not only that, but Christina's a really good writer. I mean, she's just in, just so engaging. And in yes, fact, I have to tell everybody this. I love the dedication. I mean, the book is worth buying just for the dedication. It was so beautifully written. And again, great, great book. Everybody should have this book in their library. But before we bring her on, let's talk about what's happening in the world. I don't know if I want to. So, <laughs> but tell us what's going on with the numbers, at least. Well, I decided to take a look at things. You know, there's so many things going on that people don't understand what's happening here, what's happening there. And somebody said to me, well, I don't know why I got the name I got. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. People, you know, we have names. We name our children and get all excited about name, family names and that. But we forget about the fact of how we're affected by the names that were given at birth. And it's, there's an old story, you know, pay attention to how the letters come out. Take a look at what your initials look like. And I thought, I've never thought about that. And they were, we were looking at some things, and they were talking about John Wayne, this husky man, cowboy, everything, macho. But would we have thought the same thing about him if we knew if he went by his birth name of Marion Robert Morrison? It just doesn't fit doesn't go with a horse. Does that make sense? Huh. Oh, and even Tiger Woods. His name is Eldrick Tonner Woods. Whoa. Got out there and cheer for somebody. It just, they don't fit. So it's amazing 
and I've gotten so many people that are expecting at this point in time, including two of my grandchildren, and uh, they're choosing names so they take a look at how does the name go with their last name, how does it sound, how do the letters get together. And people don't think about that, but it's really important to take a look at what kind of initials you get out of the name as well as the name itself. You want something that's going to make them feel good. And so that being said, be very cautious as you're putting names together because how people are going to perceive them. Marilyn Monroe, she was, she's our sex goddess at, at that point in time, and the name that she was born with, it just doesn't fit. Norma Isn't Jean that interesting? Doesn't sound like a sexy lady, does it? No, not at all. Not a, and you know what? I'm just looking at my own copy here. I'm such an idiot. You know, I've known Katrina for several years here, and you'd think I'd get her name right. You talk about first names. And here I am introducing her as Christina. Her name is not Christina. It's Katrina. Very beautiful name. I don't know. I have both names here. I don't know how that happens, but my apologies, and I'll make that correction in the copy. Uh, it's been a long week, and it's only Wednesday. <laughs> but look at the fact of her birth name, how it goes with what she writes, how she is and who she is. It Doesn't it fit? It does. Well, Katrina's a beautiful name, and I think it of it is a very unique person. I, I knew one other Katrina when I was in high school, and she was very, very bright, very unique. Um, again, you know, moving towards the unusual but, but very personable. Yes, uh-huh. that's a beautiful name. It has a magic to it, and you think it about what does. she does. Right, it's perfect. I say, we'll take a look at names, and we, t- you know, sometimes some of the names that we tack onto our children and they, we wonder why they don't like their names after they're up and about. So our basics, and that's okay. There's, there's no big deal about it. And I can understand bringing in family names. But you want a name that the child is going to feel good about or, like I said, paying attention to the uh, alphabet when you're taking a look at the first, middle, and last name. Sometimes they come up with names that the kids give them a real hard time for as they're growing up. And that's yeah. sad because... It's just not. It's not fair. That's all there is to it. It's just not <laughs> no. fair. <laughs> no, it's too much to adjust to, and the name doesn't fit. That's for sure. So, for those that are expecting at this point in time, take a good look at how the name is going to respond to the initials, to the overall full name in itself, and you might be surprised at how many times you're going to make a change into what you thought was a good idea. Just a thought to think about. Yeah. After all, this month of major changes, why not do it as we're laying out names? And a lot of people go about changing their names after they're adults and such. And many times, of course, when people get married and divorced, they want to change their name or go back to their maiden name or things of that nature. Take a look at what the name is really going to give you. Is it an asset or a liability? And you can well, find that out that, I think yeah. I want to encourage people to contact you because there's a lot more science to it that we're able to get into tonight, but I know you do a great job letting people know what is the best name for them to use and even the best name for their businesses. So Definitely. everybody should just contact you at 
patriciakirkman.com and ask about those, those names and see which is the right one, right frequency. Amazing what we can do simply by how we lay out the letters. Yes. Numbers mean everything, Absolutely. and our letters all have a number that go with them. So take a look and see what can happen because your numbers never yes. lie. Possibilities. We'll take the best ah. ones. <laughs> you know, and with with everything going on in the world today, I realize um, a lot of people I talk to are not aware of what's going on in other countries. And I just wanted to mention, I was reading about news from Japan today, and I saw that in Japan they are not really recommending the vaccine. What they're doing is they're recommending ivermectin which for some strange reason has become controversial here in the United States. However, okay. in in Japan, guess what? It is the recommendation for treatment. So I just find it interesting. I think the way the United States is approaching things, we should always look at what's going on around the world and see if we can gather new information or better information than what we're being given. So... Anyways, just wanted to mention that. And, again, we are not anti-vaxxers here. Um, no, we definitely. believe in freedom of choice. You know, if, mm-hmm. you, if you want the vaccine, it's there. If you don't, then we also feel you should be able to make that decision for yourself. But there's a lot of information out there. I learned a lot the other day when I spoke with a dear friend who worked for a major pharmaceutical company as a statistician for many years. And as soon as this whole thing broke, she knew right where to go to get all of the research that was that had been done on mm-hmm. the virus and on the vaccinations and all that stuff. And she told me things that um, even I hadn't heard, and I usually dig pretty deep, um, but about the initial trials and what really happened. So I want to encourage everybody, do your research. Take a look around, see what is um what you can find that is is true. Sometimes right. it's hard to sort it out, but the truth is there if you look for it. And I learned a lot by talking to my friend because she knows the ropes and she knows how to interpret a lot of these uh, studies, which is an art unto itself. So anyways, it was a very enlightening conversation. There's lots of people like her out there that are very well informed and know all about pharmaceuticals and vaccinations and statistical research. So it's worth looking into. Definitely. And it's impossible to just scan over things today. You really need to look from the beginning to, shall we say, the end of what we think is going on. Right. Yeah, don't take anything at face value at this point. Knowledge is old right now, that's for sure. Yeah. And please uh, be sure to go to our Facebook page. Got lots of new UFO stories and all kinds of other strange things going on in the world. So be sure to follow us, like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, MeWe, etc. We are there. And trying to bring you some of the most interesting stories to date, and maybe some you've never heard of before. So go to our Facebook page for all of that. So I'm going to get Katrina's name right now. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little more about her. She is a practicing bruja, root worker, tarotologist. I've never heard that term before, but I like it. 
teacher and author of over 30 published books. She's been active in the magical arts since 1982. In 1997, she and her husband, Eric, founded The Cusp, C-U-S-P, Spiritual Path, now practice worldwide. Eric and Katrina own Crossroads Metaphysical Store in California, where they offer their handmade magical products and services, such as spellcasting, healing, and cleansing. Now, you can contact Katrina via her website, CrossroadsOccult.com. And I love this part, so I have to say, Katrina and Eric have six adult children who are grown up and loose out there in the world. So, Katrina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks very much. I always get so excited when I hear that nice English lady say, blog talk radio, because I know I'm not talking to my favorite supernatural <laughs> girls. <laughs> you sweet, aren't you? <laughs> well, this book is great, Katrina. We enjoyed it so much. Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Yes, it's very wonderful. Much. Uncrossing, what a great name. And the rest of the title is Identify, Cleanse, and Heal from Hexes, Curses, and Psychic Attacks. So I think we all kind of feel like we're a bit under attack right now. So Mm -hmm. this is a very timely book. And what made you want to write this? Well, you know, originally when I pitched it to Llewellyn, um, they didn't care for the subtitle that I had, which was Uncrossing, the art of unscrewing your life. And so they declined that one and went for a more academic title. And what originally had happened was I was lecturing at Pantheacon in San Jose on uncrossing, and I wanted to have just a little giveaway book that had maybe, you know, 2,000 words to it that just was covering the high points of my discussion. I found in lecture that when people are really obsessively taking notes, which they tend to do at that particular con when it was happening, that they're not Mm -hmm. as focused on what you're saying. They're not really absorbing what you're saying. So I thought if I could just tell them, hey, I've taken all the bullet points. They're in this book. Here you go. Enjoy. That that would be better. But I have a no-compete with Llewellyn uh, where I can't publish any book, even self-publish, if it, Oh. is in the same genre, basically, as what I would write for them. They get first refusal. Oh, so I contacted oh. my editor and said, listen, I'm just giving you a heads up. I'd like to do this for Pantheacon. It's just a little bitty book. It's not really anything. It's just notes. And she said, oh, I'd like to pitch that. And so mm-hmm. I ended up having to take my little pamphlet and flesh it out into a 60,000-word book. Oh, my and, uh, yeah, I said I really just didn't want that answer. And that book would not have gotten written if we had not gone into quarantine for three months. I was contracted to write it, but the store has just been so busy that we have not had a lot of extra time. But what I really found is that there is profound misunderstanding about what psychic attack is, how it happens, how to get rid of it, what it does. And I really wanted to just get that information out there so that people could take care of themselves because we need psychic and uh, personal hygiene in that regard, just like we need to have our teeth cleaned and and do other things to keep ourselves healthy. Makes good and sense. 
It does. It makes perfect sense to us. I mean, we've certainly run across guests on the show that have brought along little attachments with them they didn't even mm-hmm. know they had. So, And everybody does that, I believe. I think we all, unless we've had a really deep clean to our aura, our energetic system, we are then carriers, almost like, I hate to say, a psychic STD, but when you're engaging someone... <laughs> When you're engaging someone on a deep energetic level, you really are at the mercy of whoever they've been around, whatever energy they've encountered. And you got to keep that stuff clean or, or you're just passing that mess around. Yikes. <laughs> you just don't think about it, do you? It's very plain right up front. You've done a beautiful job with this book. Well, yeah. thank you. And, you know, you're right. People don't think about it like so many other things. They don't even consider it until there's a crisis, until they're having symptoms. Then suddenly it's an issue. So tell us some of the symptoms that people can have, because how do we know it's not us screwing our own lives up or some energy outwardly coming at us? Well, we really don't, because so many of the symptoms are also symptoms of things like the common cold or anxiety or depression and then we have to really just get into the diagnostic part of the egg cleansing that I do and energetically feeling the person to see whether this is an attack or whether it's just, you know what, you're just sick. And I have a lot of people that come to me for cleansings that really want to believe that everything that's wrong in their life is because they're cursed, and sometimes they are. But often... The biggest way that we get cursed is when we curse ourselves by making ridiculous and inappropriate decisions in our lives. So there really isn't a lot of delineation. What I tell people when I'm doing the work is if we see curses in there, I do not trace back to see where or who it came from because then the client gets so obsessed with who cursed them that they're not taking any accountability for what they did to invite that into their lives or to mm-hmm. maybe even create the, the negative energy themselves. What I tell them is that I'm like a surgeon. Somebody comes on my table, stretched out, I need to be able to tell what's wrong with them and how to fix it. I don't care who was holding the knife if they, if they have <laughs> a, a knife wound in the gut. I don't care right. who stabbed them. I care about fixing them. And I try to keep my clients very forward-pointed so that we're not obsessing on, well, maybe it was her or maybe it was him or, you know, my mother always had these friends that were really witchy and I'll bet they did it. And, you know, they just get into the spiral of who did it, who did it, when usually, you know, it's it's impossible to really trace that back. So there are definite symptoms, uh, but, again, definitely things that could be attributed to other things, and that's why we go deeper and do the egg analysis. It's things like a, a, a person who's normally very confident is suddenly reticent and fearful, or a person who doesn't normally have this experience suddenly begins to have night traumas or um, sleepwalking or sleep disorders when that's not normally there. So this something that's really out of character, is that what you're saying then? We're looking for behavior that's out of character. If somebody is suddenly launched into a depression and there's no outward reason for it and they're not normally given to depression, we look to see what that cause would be. If somebody launches into depression and, uh, you know, 
their father has COVID and their dog just died and, you know, their car broke down. <laughs> they have a good mm-hmm. reason to be depressed. We don't look too right. far. They might right. still need to be cleaned up because we also clean up from traumas, but it probably isn't a curse. Right. Now, you said you use hex and hexes and curses kind of interchangeably. So is there not much difference between a hex and a curse? There's, there are fragmental differences. For instance, when we look at hexes, curses, and crossings, crossings are smaller and usually very incidental. They're uh, things where we are close to someone's negativity, where we have a friend that just complains all the time or is always a victim. Uh, that friend you walk away from and just feel tired as you're leaving them, that can create a result of of feeling crossed or feeling um, not necessarily cursed but psychically attacked in a way because Mm -hmm. you've just been with this person and now you feel terrible and your energy and your aura is really contaminated. A crossing, the most common place where a person is crossed is actually with road rage. Because when you, yeah, when you're on the highway and you're driving and somebody is in your blind spot and you don't see them and you merge over and they lean on the horn and scream an obscenity, they've just hit you with a huge bolt of negativity. And they don't remember it 20 minutes later, but you're carrying the effects of that negative energy, especially if you're empathic. And right now we have a lot of people who are having empathic reactions who are not normally empathic. Really? So that's kind of like people, oh, absolutely. This is kind of like people that are very suddenly poor when they're not used to being poor. They're not good at it. And, you know, if you live a life in poverty, you know how to manage the ins and outs and balance and rob from Peter to pay Paul and that sort of thing. But when you have been wealthy and you lose everything, you're just a babe in the wilderness. You don't really know how to manage that experience. And what's happened right now is that, The herd, the species, is at risk. And we're at risk from the anger and the diversity that's happening on our political landscape. We are at risk from, uh, you know, the the pandemic itself and uh, not just the disease but the fears that are around that. And so it's kind of like when we have a herd of gazelles. And a lion drags down some old, tired gazelle in the back, and the front gazelles immediately say, oh, what just happened? We're in trouble, and start to run. And since we're at risk, the whole group is now these little meerkats sticking their heads up saying, what's going on? Why we're at risk and going into fight or flight? Even though Mm -hmm. they may not personally be at risk, they are going to have a herd reaction. And when that happens, People go back to their primal mind that has all of this intuitive energy where we've also been having to see people with masks for over a year now. And that makes it difficult for us to read facial expression, to judge the intentions of others around us. And that has people's intuitive abilities sky high. So those two things have caused all these people that normally just don't even register things intuitively to just be locked and loaded. And so they're picking up on a lot of stuff because they don't know how to ground and shield. They don't know how to take care of themselves. So I have just been like a one-legged man, a butt-kicking contest, trying to get everybody cleaned out because (laughs) 
It's <laughs> it's just been crazy. Everybody's just a mess. That is so fascinating. Yeah, you've raised an incredibly important point about people all of a sudden having these newfound intuitions and responses, and they don't know what to do with it. So how do you handle that? That's right, and thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) I'm sorry, can you say say that again? (laughs) So how, how do you help people like that who are not normally empathic? You know, it's it should be really complicated where you teach them extensive grounding and shielding techniques and you let them know how to mitigate the impulses and the energies and the information they're getting. All you do is hand them a black rock. Okay. And usually you can just be talking to them about what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, and they're saying, I get these headaches and I can't sleep and I'm agitated all the time and I'm normally not like that and I can't focus. And while you're while they're telling you this litany, you just hand them a black, like a basalt massage rock and mm-hmm. just say, okay, I got you, hold this. And you keep talking and they don't even realize they're holding it and you can just watch the energy start to decrease because black rocks are so grounding. And it just oh. boom, just takes their energy right down so they're instantly feeling better and they think you're some kind of wizard and you're really just, you know, black absorbs energy, white reflects it. And mm-hmm. so you're just letting all that energy go into that rock and down to Mother Earth so that um, they're just grounded right out. And you just tell them, here's your magic rock. That's great. That's an easy fix. <laughs> It is. Yeah, so it could be Cheap obsidian, food. it could be shungite, any black rock. Mm-hmm. I love the black tourmaline for that. But the black tourmaline is not friendly to massage. And the basalt rocks that the massage therapists and the pedicure people use to massage with, it's super smooth and it feels really good. And so people enjoy massaging those. Onyx, anything black. I've even used just black, or like the dark river rock. Mm-hmm. It's just old agates that are dark. That. that I had wondered about that because they're so smooth. And oh, they're marvelous, yes. Uh-huh. And it doesn't matter. I mean, if you have an expensive onyx or you've got a rock you dug up out of your yard that happens to be black, it'll work exactly the same. That's great. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. So, and then there's sprays is... you can use that are a little more protective. That that helps to shield the energy that's incoming. There are a lot of advanced things you can do, but really, your rock is your friend. That's great. Yeah, and I want to mention that you have some beautiful oils, sprays, candles, all kinds of mm-hmm. magical things, and a beautiful shop. So people should go online Thank and look you. at all your products now. Where can they see your products online? Is it a different website than Crossroad Occult? Same website. There's a link on there for purchase products online. There's one for purchase services online. I try to keep the web. I'm a web designer, so I try to keep the the website very functional and user-friendly because I hate going to a website where I can't find anything. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's a bummer. But you have beautiful, beautiful products, and I've used them myself. They're wonderful. So everybody go take a look and buy whatever you need. They're all wonderful products. So your book goes through a lot of information about, again, what are these things called psychic attacks, what are hexes, 
what mm-hmm. are curses. Can you give us some personal examples of, say, people that came to you and they were hexed or cursed? And, I can. How did you know it? And and just some stories that people might be able to relate to. Well, and as as you were saying that, I realized I didn't finish answering your other question. I apologize for that. I've been a little fragmented lately. But uh, the crossings are one thing. Hexes are very personal. They're to one person, and they're usually a spur-of-the-moment thing of just uh, creating a magical environment with the hope of retribution or harming somebody. A curse is usually very long-term and might go multi-generational, so it's a bit bigger. But I've had, over the last, I've been doing this for many years, and so there's been so many people that are actually cursed. Sometimes it's a generational thing that's following a DNA line where, and this was very popular hundreds of years ago, to curse the firstborn of the whole downline or uh, the all the females will be barren. And sometimes until you remove that or unlock it, basically, it just is, does continue to affect. That's, and I see that from time to time. I also see a lot of curses that happen to wives whose husbands have mistresses. That's a big thing, oh. where the the mistress is binding the husband to her and uh, is cursing the wife to get rid of her. That happens Ooh. a lot, especially there's certain cultures that are more prone to that. And, uh, you know, it usually is, I mean, even just ill-wishing someone, there's... Um, a situation that comes up uh, in Mexico, it's called mal de ojo, but it's the evil eye, and it's envy, where you envy someone to the point that the energy becomes portable and begins to affect that person's life. So there's just been so many clients that have come in with so many different kinds of curses that, um, you know, it's really hard to pick a favorite. It's like picking your favorite child because there's just... (laughs) All different well, I just know people of... people love to hear of you know stories, and certainly with curses going multi generational, that's pretty powerful mm-hmm. stuff. You also refer to the Bible having some really intense mm-hmm. curses, and that that really sounded interesting too. That that's fascinating. In fact, I'm going to get the exact psalm for you but everybody tends to think that the psalms are just lovely little poems that david wrote but uh they're actually there's there's some heavy duty curses in there i think it's let me let me get it for you i don't want to tell you wrong uh the 109 uh psalms 109 is really brutal uh and it goes on for Days and days and days. It's a very long oh chapter, gosh. and it goes into your mother's name will be wiped from the face of the earth. You'll have explosive diarrhea. I mean, it just goes oh into gosh. lengthy. All of your children will forget who you are. <laughs> it's pretty wow. detailed. <laughs> yeah, and that's and right there in the Bible. Okay. Yeah, just read your Psalms, folks. You'll find plenty of plenty <laughs> to work with. <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> it is, you, and they were serious about that stuff, yeah. Yeah, they sure were. And now, mm-hmm. let's say somebody comes to you, they have a curse, you see that it's a multi-generational issue, then what tools do you draw on to release this? 
Well, one thing that's interesting about the multi-generational curse is that people think it's like a vampire, and if you kill the main vampire, everybody's okay. And it's not that case at all. Everybody who's affected by the curse has to be cleansed individually. And so what I would do is if somebody comes to me and says they, they suspect that they have a family curse, I ask them, well, you know, how did you come to that decision? And, you know, it could be that the entire family just all makes poor choices. That does happen because mm-hmm. of the nature-nurture effect. Right. And so I, I do an intake that's fairly lengthy so that I'm really understanding where the person's coming from as far as why, what brought you to me today? What made you so desperate that you're going to go see the witch and get fixed? <laughs> and so, so um, I usually have a pretty good history on them, and that gives me an idea of whether we're looking at a lack of accountability or possibly an actual family curse. There's a formation that comes up in the egg after I cleanse them and break the egg into the jar of water that shows me that, yes, this is a DNA or a family curse. And they'll say, well, you know, everybody's having these problems except my brother. And I, in my head, I'm saying, well, your brother might not be in that DNA line, you know. Oh. So it, it really, and if you're adopted, you know, it's not going to follow your adoptive family DNA. It's going to follow your birth DNA. So right. I just show them what it is. I let them know what's going on. And once we've removed it, they usually will no longer have any effects. But. And it can be really weird. Sometimes it's every third child. Sometimes it's all the males. And so you never know who in the family is going to be affected. It can even skip a generation. Oh, it can. Sure. Huh. It all depends on how the the person who sent the curse architected or created the curse to work. Mm-hmm. Right. Gosh. And now, what happens when somebody finds out they've been cursed and they may not know, go into who did it, as you mentioned, that's kind of mm-hmm. difficult thing to find out. But I would imagine they'd be pretty angry that somebody <laughs> loose this energy on them. You know, there's two different types of people, and almost everybody falls into one of the two categories when I let them know that they've got some curses there. I, I would say let's, let's go with there's three different types. One is the type that says, Oh, that's really interesting. I'm glad that's out of me. Thank you for showing me that. The next one is the one that gets really angry. Who did it? I need you to track this back and find out who did it. I think it was Sarah, my cousin. She has always dabbled in black magic. I know it was her. And they go off in this litany as to who cursed them, who cursed them, and I have to draw them back and say, listen, our objective here is to get you clean. I'm not the detective. I'm the surgeon. And then you've got the people who really get off on it. They're profoundly excited that somebody found them important or threatening enough to curse them. And so they want to talk about it at length. They want all the details so they can run and tell their friends at Hogwarts, you know, about what's happened to them. And so you really have to kind of reel that stuff in and say, hey, okay, well, that, this was a good conversation, but let's talk about some guarding and shielding. But, no, for some of them, Finding out they got cursed is the most exciting day of their lives. Oh, that's so funny. Incredible. (laughs) That is, gosh. So now what's the difference between a curse and a psychic attack? 
a psychic attack is an umbrella term for all the curses and the crossings oh. and the okay. the uh, the hexes. Just any time that someone has inflicted their energy onto another person in a way that compromises their quality of life, then that's a psychic attack. And so, of course, we can do this unintentionally and often do. There are also little entities that are kind of energy suckers that Mm -hmm. will jump from person to person and absorb the vibrancy of the person, the prosperity, the good fortune of the person. And then when they've kind of chewed them up like old gum, they'll just leap to another person. So you'll be out shopping at the grocery store and you feel all of a sudden really heavy, really uncomfortable, and you think, I must be coming down with something. Meanwhile, the person that just walked past you says, wow, I think I'm getting over this bug. I'm starting to feel better. <laughs> just moved right down the road. Oh, boy. Yeah, I take those guys out, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. Um, <clears throat> so with psychic attacks, Again, it's like mm-hmm. a malaise, it sounds like, that can come over someone. And so what do you do to get rid of that? Do you use the egg again? Well, you know, it, it can be. It can be a malaise. It can can be like downward-facing dog curse, you know, where you're just getting very <laughs> uh, no energy, just really depleted. It can also be more like a manic feeling where oh. you have intrusive thoughts, you you can't sleep at night, you've got restless leg syndrome, your 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 thoughts are racing all the time and you can't slow down, you can't calm down. So it can be either direction. But uh yeah, what you would do is just hopefully get it cleaned out. And one of the problems I had with the book is my editor kept saying, "Well, you know, Llewellyn, we're self-help." So you've got to tell them what they can do for themselves. And I told her, you know, this is literally like saying you've got to learn to clean your own teeth Ah, because you really need a professional that can go in there and know what they're looking for and get you cleaned out. You can take uncrossing baths. You can burn uncrossing candles. That will help. But if you really, again, it's like brushing your teeth versus getting a professional clean. And it really makes a difference to have somebody who knows what they're doing go in there and monitor your energy, see which chakras are hyperactive, which ones are locked up, where your meridians are clogged up and blocked, and just get everything flowing. Where your lymph nodes are overloaded with negative energy, get all of that condensation out so that you're flowing well, and that helps the curse to come out better. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot to this. This is not simple, that's for sure. You have to be able to identify it, also know if it is a true hex curse or psychic attack, mm-hmm. or if it's the person doing it themselves, to themselves, like you said, with poor choices. So mm-hmm. right off the bat, there's just so much you have to be able to know and determine before you can even take the next step. It really is. But also another thing to consider is the placebo effect where a person may not be cursed, but they feel like they are. And so when they are getting that one-on-one treatment and they trust the fact that you're taking care of them, that can be enough to cause them to turn a corner and feel like there's hope again. And sometimes they're coming off of years 
of feeling like they never have good luck, nothing ever works for them. And sometimes you're just thinking, well, you know, you're just dumb, honey. You're not making choices that are going to allow for you to have a good life. And so, but at the same time, you dutifully get in there and you do the good clean and everything, and then they can think, okay, I've got a fresh start. I'm going to start making good choices. Mm -hmm. So it can have that placebo effect, too, in addition to actively doing the the cleaning out. Now, everybody that has a cleansing, their first egg is just going to look disgusting because, again, I hate to keep using this analogy, but it's so perfect. If you don't go get your teeth clean for, you know, 12 years, the first cleansing is going to be pretty rough. Yeah. And same thing, you know, and if you're having them every year or every six months or so, you know, sometimes you're going to have some that are a little more intense. Well, yeah, I just went to Disneyland. I was around a lot of frustrated people, and I picked up some stuff. And energy workers are especially susceptible because they're usually not shielding when they go in to work on somebody because they want that that good flow of energy. And so I'll have people that are chiropractors and acupuncturists and uh, massage therapists and Reiki workers who will contact me and say, oh, I picked up a bug. I need you to get it out. Mm-hmm. And they get so used to their own energy and what it feels like that they can immediately tell when there's something off in there. Oh, that's good. Maybe. At least they know. Yeah. The now, average person just knows usually what happens is somebody else notices Hey, oh. you're really behaving. You know, you're 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 acting different. Are you okay? And with I have a network of energy workers that are, do this type of healing, and I'll have somebody just look at me and say, Katrina, you're dusty. We need to clean you up. Where <laughs> I didn't feel it, but they knew something was going on. Gee, that's helpful. Yeah, that's that's really nice. <laughs> Yeah. Now, with the there's a name for the, what you use, what you do with the egg, right? What's it called? Well, it, it's really multicultural. Mm-hmm. Uh, in hoodoo, they just call it an egg cleansing or an egg roll. Uh, right. They do it a little bit differently than I do. In Brujeria, it's called Olympia, which just means Olympia, cleanse. Olympia, that's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so it's really about, you know, there are different places all over the world that use the egg. Some people will use a lime. Uh, especially if it's a person who's doing cleansings in, say, a farmer's market or mm-hmm. a place that's very warm. They don't want to keep the eggs there, so they'll uh, use a lime in exactly the same way. I've known uh, some of the curanderas in Mexico will use a black stone egg that's wow. made, you know, made of stone. So they're not cracking it open. They're just using it to absorb the negative energy. And what do they do with the lime? Because with an egg, you do crack it open, and then you look at how it forms in the glass, and... How do they do that with a lime? With an egg, you really are containing the energy after you break it into the jar. So Mm -hmm. we break it in the jar and immediately put the lid on, which keeps everything contained. With a lime, for instance, if you cut it, the energy isn't going anywhere. It's just coming out. So it's usually going to go right back to where it came from because that's where it's used to being. So if you cut the lime, it's probably going to go back to the person you just pulled it out of. So most people do not cut the lime. Now, I have been told that if there are contaminants in the person and you do cut the lime, that the lime has turned dark. I've not seen that because I was never, none of my mentors ever cut the lime because they said that, you know, it was not healthy to do so. Mm -hmm. Mm. Now, are there certain people or personality types that you think are more prone 
to getting psychic attacks or cursed or hexed? When we're talking about, if you want to say, free-floating energy that's out there that's negative that can create the same effects, then it's usually going to be somebody who's fearful. It could be somebody who is a victim mentality. They tend to attract that in more commonly. There's another um, type of curse that happens, which is uh, it happens to people who are very drama-centric because they are usually pot stirrers who are creating discord. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, you just never know who's going to hit them because they're they're creating this poke the tiger sort of life and so they usually have several people at once who could be frustrated with them and any of them could curse them or it could be a combination effect if we have a number of people who are thinking negatively about us or wishing us ill ill will then um that can combine to create a curse effect so, uh, but as far as the general public, it's everybody. We are all subject to the negativity of other people, and especially now that we're on social media, you respond in a certain way to uh, in a comment on YouTube or Facebook, and somebody you don't even know gets angry about it, right? And sends you negativity. And right there on social media, you've got everything they need. You might have your birth date on there. You've got your picture on there, maybe where you live, pictures of your kids, pictures of your house, and that's all easy access for someone who wants to send negativity to you. Because they can use those photos to do that, right? Social media is a witch's best friend, yes. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yup. Wow. I have lots of times that if I... Uh, I'm working on somebody and I'm saying, you know, this picture, because I do a lot of remote work where I work on people who are not physically with me. I use a proxy vessel and connect with them uh, energetically. And if I'm having trouble connecting with a picture they sent, I just go, okay, let's see if you're on Facebook and find a better picture mm-hmm. so that I can get good eye contact with them and uh, find a picture that doesn't have a floppy hat on and mm-hmm. just connect with them in a better way. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah, that's right. Now I have a question that somebody just texted in. Can curses kill? I know you do address this in your book, too. They can, but it takes an awful lot of energy. You know, even just getting somebody to do something you don't want them to do takes a lot of energy. And it's not that it can't happen, it's that the time and energy level you have to sustain to make that happen is usually outside of the average person's capabilities as far as doing anything but that would be almost impossible. However, by doing that, you are raising a huge amount of negative energy that you're directing toward a specific person. So you probably are going to have a pretty strong effect at screwing up their lives. So mm-hmm. I would say, yes, it can happen. It usually does not. And you also mentioned in the book, you talk actually about um, death, you know, someone's wishing death on someone, and mm-hmm. that once you start invoking that energy, you really don't have control over how that death energy is going to manifest. 
Well, you know, and that since the beginning of time has been the real pickle about death is we never know when ours is coming. You know, we might get a heads up that we're very ill and that, you know, not much time is left. But as far as the actual moment, we never know. And that lends a true unpredictability to death. And there's a candle called the doom candle, which means death unto my enemies. And I have people all the time wanting to burn doom candles on people. I even have a video on my uh, YouTube channel called Why All the Doom? And people have no problem wishing death on people around them. I just, I, It's fascinating to me that we have all wow. these yeah. little wannabe serial killers out there <laughs> and that they feel like that if they're doing it magically that sometimes somehow their hands are clean. It doesn't count. And John, <laughs> it does. Well, you know, there's um, a wonderful Druid blogger called uh, John Beckett. He used to, uh, I think he still blogs on Pathios Pagan, and he said something that really stuck with me. He said, never do anything magically that you wouldn't do to the person in person. You know, if, mm. you, if, you, if you wouldn't do it if they were standing in front of you, don't burn a candle to make it happen. And I have people all the time coming in here wanting to burn death candles and wanting to control other people, break up their relationships, just horrible things. And so with death and that uncertainty, anytime you bring that energy in and invoke death, you just lost all of your control of the situation because death itself is not controllable. So you don't right. know how it's going to come. It could be the death of their dog. It could be the death of their prosperity. It could be death of their kid, death of them. You, it, and it splatters. It's really a mess. You just don't know how it's going to land. Wow. Well, that's well, important information. About... When people get that angry and they, they want to inflict harm on someone else, it's important for them to know that it's really out of their control at that point when they do that. Yeah, don't do that. That's bad. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Don't but I, do I, that. I, I will I will think poorly of you. <laughs> I'm not supposed yeah. to be judgmental, but that's where I draw the line. I'm gonna make a face when you when somebody brings that up. But it really is because we do not ever know or understand the true intention of another person. We think we do based on how their actions affect us. But we just yeah. never have the whole story. And the best and wisest thing we can do is to work to the fulfillment of our best lives and then work protective measures. If somebody is trying to create hardship for you, there are ways to block them out. And how do you do that? Can you give us some examples? I've got a whole host of ways. One of the things that we do is put somebody in a mirror box and that is a, a little box that has mirror tiles on the inside. And we use little plastic babies that look, they're, they're the king babies that they bake into king cakes in New Orleans. Uh-huh. And my friend Gladys hates those things. She says they're just the nastiest <laughs> little things ever. But I love them. And so I'll put the energy of the person that needs to get a clue into the king baby. And then I put them in a mirror box. And that way they have to look in the mirror constantly and be confronted by the effects of their actions. Another thing it does that's really helpful is because they're facing mirrors, all of their energy now bounces back to them. And so I'll put them into the mirror box, and then once or twice a day I'll pick up the mirror box and I'll shake it somewhat violently 
And I'll say, hello, little babies, you horrible little babies. Look in the mirror. See what you did. You are very bad little babies. And then I put it back down. So that's one thing is the mirror box. We can do a binding on somebody. Yeah, we can do a binding on somebody if they're creating a problem. One of the most common ways to bind somebody, and Trisha, I think you're uh, familiar with this technique, is putting them in the freezer. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. That's a great one. The the author, Dorothy Morrison, was lecturing, and, and somebody asked her, well, what do you do when your freezer is so full of doll babies that, you know, you you can't get your food anything in there anymore? And this wonderful author looks at her and says, then, honey, you start making better life choices. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, yeah, that's we can put them in the freezer. That's another good one. Um, that's those are my go-tos. There are stronger bindings that you can do that are more aggressive, but I have had very few people that can get past a a freezer spell or a a mirror box. I'm just a big fan of my mirror boxes. And I, with my clients, if they want me to do a mirror box on somebody, I leave the little doll in the mirror box until the client tells me to take them out. And in probably nine or ten years, nobody's ever asked me to take a baby out of the mirror box. So I got all these boxes of babies oh laying around. Wow. And I just I look like I'm playing the maracas when I'm grabbing all these boxes every day to shake those little suckers. So yep. Oh my goodness. Stay in the life. Stay in the life. Yeah, it sounds like fun. It really does. All of it. And and I think that's it's important too. Yeah, to just to keep a keep that optimistic positive attitude that the person person's energy in that mirror box is, may get it. They they might finally understand it, right? We hope so, but then you get the people that are true narcissists and they oh. just sit and preen in the mirrors. They don't Oh no. <laughs> they don't get the message because it's not in their chemical composition to be able to be that self recriminating. So that's when we run into trouble. Yeah, so if they're a narcissist, a true narcissist, then this won't work on mm-hmm. them. That's wow. right. And so we have to use other techniques for them. We always hope that, because, of course, narcissism is a, a spectrum, we always hope there's enough self-awareness in there somewhere that we can mm-hmm. get through. But if we're not seeing results, then we up our game a little bit. Yeah, you'd have to. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think of that, but that is a very valid point. Gee. Okay. Wow. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, it makes sense that people would want to take the energy that they do have and use it in their own best interest rather than use it against somebody else. We would want them to, but most often they're really thinking about firing back. And yeah. so that that focus is just, Oh, you know, it's it's it, it turns into a mess because they think they know who did it. So they go home and do a little curse of their own, but that's not the person who did it. And now the person you just hit is pissed off, so they're going to shoot back at you. And it just turns into this ping pong game of stuff going everywhere. Plus, what if that person that hit you up had help? What if they there were two or three people involved? Yeah, so I always just recommend that if you really feel like you need to fight back, don't name a name. Just send it back to sender 
return to sender, just send the energy back that they sent. Just, hey, you left this here, here you go. And <laughs> trust and watch whose life falls apart. Right. Just sit back with popcorn. Now, in yeah. your book, you write very, it's very funny to read, but it probably wasn't funny when you were realizing it, that you didn't really think that witches went after each other. You kind of found that out, though, huh? In the very beginning, because I started out my time in, in magical arts as a Wiccan, and we have the whole, as it harms none, do what you will, and threefold law, and things like that. And I didn't realize when I was doing this practice back when I was a baby witch that there are all of these cultures and, and all of these witches that are not Wiccan, so they don't have any interest in those particular laws. And Zuzanna Budapest very famously said, a witch who cannot curse cannot heal. And she mm. said, you know, you have to be able to do both in order to do either one successfully, And she, which is very wise. Uh, and just and, and accurate, but it was. I guess I was probably. I I just turned sixty, so I guess I was probably in my late twenties or so, early thirties, when I realized that there was a bigger world out there, and that Wicca was actually such a tiny sliver of witchcraft and what it actually is. And the majority of witches will absolutely have no problem cursing you if if you create a situation where that's what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and there's whole cultures about... that just fling curses back and forth all the time. They don't they don't have a problem with it at all. It's mostly white yeah. people that don't curse people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's really I say, I say that with, with strong admiration, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, right. What really surprised me is we once had uh, someone on the show who was an apprentice of uh, Mad Bear Anderson, who's Mm -hmm. Native American, upstate New York. And Mm -hmm. I was really surprised to hear about witchcraft in Native American tradition. I had no idea. Absolutely. And, you know, also when the Scotch-Irish came over from Ulster, in the 1700s, late 1700s and into the 1800s, um, they brought a lot of their traditions with them, which involved European witchcraft. And they had, in in Appalachia at least, they had a much more workable relationship with the Native Americans, so they shared a lot of information back and forth. So there was sometimes an amalgam kind of craft happening in Appalachia. And also, Appalachia was a a favorite place for slaves who had escaped to go to because the area is so dense and and hostile that a lot of times they would not be pursued into there. And Mm -hmm. also the Cherokee had slaves and traded slaves with the people in the South and treated their slaves very differently. They treated them as part of the tribe, as you know, not family, but they were more accommodating. And so when you've got all these different cultures coming together like that there's a trading off of information that happens and so i'm sure that from all aspects the native american uh the african american the traditional uh african religions the um um, the scotch irish i think that they all had something to contribute to that happening what you're describing yeah that's very very interesting yep i was very surprised to hear that shouldn't be Mm -hmm. but i was 
But, yeah, and now being a root worker, tell us a little bit about that, too, because that comes out of that part of the country, right? It does. It's uh, it's a hoodoo practice. It's also called conjure, although conjure really is any type of folk magic falls under that umbrella. Um, but hoodoo is the practice that's most often also referred to as conjure. And that is primarily out of south, uh, different places practiced it differently. Uh, plantation hoodoo was different than New Orleans hoodoo. And so what I do, the reason it's called root working is there's a lot of herb and root work that is done in the course of the spell work. So that's just one of the things that I do. And I learned under Maya Shally Gray, who is an amazing root working woman. And uh, it's very similar to Bruharia. And they also had a handshake across the lower United States that allowed for sharing of information. Mm-hmm. Now, are these traditions growing, Bruharia? You know, working? yes and no. It's Starting about five or six years ago, it became the latest new big thing, and I think that it'll go back to sleep eventually. It, it's always been there. You know, I wrote a book called Crossroads of Conjure, and that's when you and I met was when I wrote that right. book, uh, mm-hmm. you and PK and all of us, but... Um, That was about southern folk magic, basically, all the way from, you know, Appalachian granny magic and Brujeria and Conundismo and uh, what did I leave out? Brujeria, hoodoo. Um, But, you know, it had a big rise. And when it got its big increase in practitioners was really when we started having a huge economic slide in the United States. And prior to that, Wicca had been king. Wicca was what was identified magically as far as witchcraft was concerned. They had better marketing than any other kind of witchcraft. And Wicca is very ceremonial. It's very honoring the the seasons and honoring the god and goddess. It's very beautiful. It's very, uh, again, ceremonial and cast a circle, call the quarters. It's beautiful. But it can be difficult to apply to daily needs. And folk magic is what gets her done. Folk magic is what gets your light bill paid. It's what um, brings love to you. And so when people start to have hard times, they start to turn to the folk magic. If we ever reach a time where the United States becomes more financially advantageous, then we may see a return to some of the ceremonial work. That is so interesting. It makes sense. That's for yeah, sure. We cycle. We all cycle. Yeah. And with the folk magic, too, as I recall when we were interviewing you about that book, it was about using what's handy, what's there in your kitchen, what's there mm-hmm. in your garden, right? It is. And, you know, that's another contrast to Wicca, which, again, I love Wicca. I'm not currently Wicca, but I teach Wiccan classes, and I I love, love, love it. It was a wonderful foundation for me. But with Wicca, you've got to have this chalice, and you've got to put it here, and you've got to have this sensor, and you've got to put it there, and you've got to have the $100 asame and the fancy robe. And, you know, it's, it's really commercialized as far as you need this, and you need this, and you need that. If you look at a hoodoo recipe, especially the ones 
by Talia Felix, who's a wonderful, she wrote a wonderful book called The Conjure Cookbook, you're going to open it up and you're going to see a list of 30 or 40 different products, herbs, resins, oils, and there's no proportions given. It's not half teaspoon of this or a gram of that. It just lists the ingredients. Hmm. And that's because you're supposed to pick a few of those based on what you have in your cupboard. And then you just play with it till it feels right. It's going for the intrinsic energy that's in the item. And it literally, as you described, it's, a, it's about opening your cupboard. What do you have? Because the people who were working this type of magic and developed it weren't at a position of, oh, I'm just going to run out to the Botanica or I'm going to go to, you know, the the drugstore and pick up some of, some bat wings and this and this and this. <laughs> right. It had to be what are the local land spirits offering up? What do we have that we can get locally? What am I always going to have in my cupboard? And they just use that. Sounds a lot okay. easier. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Now, and another thing that's lovely about that is that, mm-hmm. well, for instance, Florida water. That's a very common hoodoo product. It, it transitions over into brujeria use as well. But uh, every root worker's Florida water smells different because they're all using different proportions of this huge list of ingredients. And the only consistency with Florida water is it's either going to be heavily floral or heavily citrus. And it all smells different. Hmm. How fascinating, mm-hmm. gosh. Well, that makes sense yes. because there's no <laughs> specific instructions. So nope. you go by how it feels. That's what you were saying. Interesting. That's right. Energetically, what feels right, what smells the best to you. You might have a batch that you really love this time, and you put together with the same ingredients, and it smells different next time. So you just keep working it. Yeah. Now, you were saying in your book um, that often it's the um, the uncrossings that are the hardest to work with. Did I get that right? Sometimes that it is, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, people don't want to believe that what they do has an impact. And sometimes that's a feeling of insecurity, that they aren't important enough to have an impact. Sometimes it's a lack of accountability. They don't want to believe that they caused a problem. But when we're working with a crossing or a hex or a curse or any of those, it's really about the impact other people have in our lives, and people don't always want to look at that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the hardest things to, to deal with because, for instance, if I've got a woman who feels abused in some way in her home, and I get her all cleaned up, and she goes back to an abusive spouse or an abusive daughter. She's just going to be messed up again in a week. And so that's difficult. That's always frustrating because they feel like it's some testimony as to the work that you did, where it's really just that they're in a very toxic environment. And I had one lady come in. You you were talking about stories. Uh, a woman yeah. brought in her mother. Uh, they were all, They were both Latina. And the mother's husband was having a long-term affair with a woman who was a known bruja. And the gal that they brought in, the mother, was just a shell of a person. She was barely in there. And there's there's an egg formation where you 
crack the egg and close the jar, and the yolk basically explodes in the bottom. It's just like, looks like butter almost. Um, and you, that's when it tells you that this person has been so abused that their spirit has left their body, and you've got to pull that energy back down into them and get them back again. And so that was about four years ago that I first started working with this lady, and I still clean her out every couple of months. And um, I do, and we got her back. I mean, she her color came back in her cheeks. Her eyes start to sparkle again. She's now vocal where she wasn't before. But she had just given up because no matter what she did, her husband kept going back to this woman who had in, basically bound him to her and was attempting to, to kill off the wife. And she was doing a really good job of it. She had some real high-powered people behind her that were working with her. And so the woman is still with the spouse. The spouse is still seeing the uh, the mistress, although it's less now that COVID has been restricting contact. But I just try to keep this lady propped up. That's incredible. Yeah. So she's always going right back into that same situation. But when I saw her a few weeks after her first cleansing, she looked like a different person. She was animated and and sparkly-eyed and happy. And, you know, it was kind of like she had done a few lines of Coke or something. She was just right (laughs) back with us. Hi. Full of energy. You can talk now, huh? (laughs) Yeah. And, And her daughter brought her to you. Is that what you said? Her her daughter basically threw her at me. I mean, she came in and she said, I don't know what to do with her anymore. We're losing her. I need your help. And her energy signature was so low. Now, I've done cleansings on dead people before. And oh. um, when you clean a spirit that's not inhabiting a body, if you're using a pendulum to try to detect chakra movement, there is none. And you don't feel the energy moving through like if you're looking at the picture, you can't feel the energy in the vessel. It's external. It's gone. But you still do the cleansing. And and she was like that. I mean, there was no energy in this woman's body. I think that she was very close Goodness. to death because she oh. was just played out. And then she just went and all, like somebody jerked on her puppet strings and she was up again. <laughs> <laughs> so the magic that they were, the hexes or curses or crossings or whatever they were doing to her really mm-hmm. had a profound effect. They really did. And in that case, you know, it's magic is always about the new the Newtonian laws of physics and motion and energy. It works exactly the same way. And so one of those Newtonian laws says that if you increase the force on an object, it's going to move faster. And it's going to, you know, reach its destination sooner. And so if you have multiple people that are highly skilled targeting one person, it's going to have a pretty profound effect. That's why prayer circles work. Because you've got multiple people focused on the same outcome. And so she had relatives that were willing to work with her, and they were all very skilled. And, of course, they had been doing this for years, so it had a cumulative effect on her. Now when I see her, I just have to do a little patch-up work because it hasn't been building up for years and years. Incredible. So you're just working on doing the cleansing. Is there anything that you could do to stop these people from attacking her like this? 
We can, and I give her amulets and bracelets to wear that are protective and the sprays that she needs to keep her safe. We use powders, brick dust, and that sort of thing around her bed. But she is still interacting with the husband. She's very much in love with him. She's not going to leave him. Culturally, Mm -hmm. that's not something that she would do. Right. And so she's connected to him, which creates the avenue for the energy to constantly get to her. If she was Uh not with her husband, that would cut a bond that she has with the mistress because they're sharing this man. Uh And so if she was away from him, then she wouldn't be as vulnerable. But she's not going to do that. They have adult children together. They've been married for 40 years, and she's, she's older. And she's she's not gonna she's not gonna let that go. And that I respect her decision, but I've also let her know that this is why we have to keep doing this. Yeah, and that she so, doesn't listen. And I'm sorry. I said that's sad that she doesn't listen. Yeah. She knows what it does to her, but she can't let go she of does. it. Yep. Right, and you know she's they have a very um, traditional uh, Latino relationship. And so it's it's very patriarchal. And she, you know, shares several children with him. And it's unthinkable to her to have a life that he's not in. So she would prefer to continue to manage the symptoms and stay with him. And he is very sympathetic about it and is you know, unhappy about the compulsion he has to be with this woman. and But, you know, the other side from a psychological point of view is you wonder, is that real or are you using this as an excuse just to go be with this other woman? Yeah. But that's not that's not mine to judge. I'm just supposed to fix. Mm-hmm. She's Amazing. lucky that she found you. I'm grateful she did. They're They're really wonderful people. I enjoy them very much. I've I've actually done remote cleansings on him as well, and it's very clear. There's a certain thread that will show up that when there's an attachment, when somebody's working on you. So I do believe the woman's working on him. Yeah. And so the only right. – yeah, about the only way that's going to finalize is if the mistress dies off. Mm-hmm. Mm, complicated. It is a nuance, yes. That can be done to encourage the mistress to leave. She won't. Uh, you you can do cut and clear. You can. Uh, I, I have candles like Bitch Be Gone and and GTFO and things like that. But any time that you are attempting to force someone to do something they don't want to do, the energy, as I said, is very high, and it's. Um, you know, it's it's all it, you can do it, but it's not sustainable. You would have to continually burn candles because all magic has an expiration date on it. Everything you do has an expiration date on it. So, depending on the will of the other person, that expiration date could be a day or two. How do you know the expiration so date is? I, I'm sorry, darling, you're breaking up. Can you tell me that again? How would you know what the expiration date is on different? You things? don't. You don't know because you buy your 
take your chance. There's so many factors. There's so many Mm -hmm. factors as far as affecting the outcome of any magical work. It's all got to do, back to Newtonian law, it's got to do with how much resistance are you encountering in this. And uh, something as simple as a a young person comes in and says, "I, I really need to get a job. I need you to help me get a job. And I'm thinking, okay, well, let's burn this candle and we'll get you a job. Well, what I don't know is how how is the resistance looking to this? Maybe they're saying they want to get a job because their mom told them they need to get a job, and they really don't want to get a job. They want to stay home and play video games. There's some resistance. Maybe there's a pandemic going on and nobody's hiring at that moment. You know, there's there's some more resistance. Maybe they don't have transportation. There's more resistance. So we never know all the factors that are creating the pushback on what we do. So we just keep doing it until the person either gets what they want or they decide that, uh, you know, they, they're tired of trying. Oh, and even, if, even after you get what you want, you have to sustain it. So let's mm-hmm. say you want to force Andrew in accounting to want to date you. So you burn candles to get Andrew to date you, and eventually Andrew's own thoughts are going to come back. So you have to keep burning the candles unless Andrew actually did want to date you and was just being lazy about it. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. That's why it's it's always so much more effective to do magic on yourself because you nobody can want a good quality of life for you as much as you want it for yourself. And that allows you to open up to the energy and be a willing partner rather than having it inflicted on you, Mm -hmm. which is what happens when you're trying to do magic on another person, especially if they don't know that you're doing it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Energy going off in a different direction. Yeah. 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 Make sense of put it into your own life, put it into your own success, into your own projects Mm -hmm. that that bring you love and passion and all of that kind of stuff. That's what you do. But when we get pissed off, it's kind of, we get distracted by that easily. I know I can. Uh (laughs) Well, and it's a powerful feeling, and you want to do something with that energy. And you feel sometimes unresolved if you don't do something with that energy, especially if someone really wronged you or you were betrayed by someone you really cared about. You want to fix that. And, you know, there's been plenty of times, you know, that I've gone you know, to my altar doing the ugly cry and saying, I want you to kill him. <laughs> you know, but the Lord the Lord loves drunks and, and and angry witches because usually that energy is just going to ground until you're in a better frame of mind. But we all feel that. We all feel like we need to balance those scales in some way. Yeah. Where is the justice? <laughs> right? And, you know, it's it's not... I hate to say it, it's not always there. And yeah. we really want to believe that, oh, karma's going to come around and bite him in the butt. But you know what? What if it doesn't? Right. And how much are we agents of karma ourselves? And it really comes down to so many loose ends on trying to track something like that that the more you can just let learn a lesson, let it go, and move forward incorporating that lesson the faster things will normalize again. Right. Yep. Yes. 
not the easiest thing to learn, but once you learn it, it does make a lot of sense. And then your life can take off in a different direction. It's better for you. That flow state is so important in life, to be able to dip into that and just feel like you're in the zone, that everything's happening. But, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've done it. It doesn't matter how um, magical you are. There will always be things that will throw you off kilter. There will always be times that you're not enlightened, that you're not evolved, and you're going down to the deepest primal level of fear and anger and frustration. And that's when you need those peers around you who can say, hey, hey, wait a minute, let's, let's talk this out. Let's, let's work on this so that they can call you on your BS and help you get to a safer place where you're not going to do inadvertently any damage or waste any time and energy. They can talk to you and get you off the ledge. That's always helpful. Yeah, very and are you still doing tarot readings on Facebook? I am. Well, every Thursday night, um, my friends Gladys and Nelta and I do readings. Gladys is an internationally recognized uh, medium, and she's a wonderful connection to the dead. And uh, she also does pendulum work and oracle cards. And so um, she reads with me. I do the readings, and then my uh, other gal, Nelta, is our producer and makes the show happen and um, writes out the questions and gives them to us. And we do that every Thursday at 7 o'clock Pacific on our Facebook page. We love doing it. It's been a lot of fun. And then I do remote readings for people now. And uh, I, I just discovered the Lenormand deck. I love it. I've done a lot of Lenormand readings lately. A lot of what kind of readings? It's called Lenormand. Lenormand. It is, is a, Lenormand is a another type of divinatory system that's more like cartomancy, where you're using playing cards. It's similar, but oh, okay. it was developed in the in, in Napoleon times uh, by a French woman named Anne Marie Lenormand, and it's just very direct. It calls you right out. It's really specific, whereas tarot is very esoteric. Oh, the energy around this is this, and, you know, you might want to look at this. Lenormand is more like you in danger, girl. You know, you need to, you got a snake in the grass. You need to fix that. It's just super direct, and I just I love it. I love it. I, I learned about it during quarantine, and so I've been doing a lot of that in the last year, and everybody I've taught it to has picked it up right away. And it's it's just a really interesting way of, of doing readings. So that's been my latest passion. If you that look on like YouTube, there's, lo- there's lots of uh, teaching videos on Lynn Ormond. Yeah, it sounds great. Now, your, it Facebook, is, your Facebook readings that you do, um, those are, anybody can join in? And the people are asking, is there a charge mm-hmm. for it? So you can There's no charge. It's free. free. Anybody can join that? in. You just you go to facebook.com slash Crossroads Occult. And again, it's at 7 o'clock Pacific time every single Thursday. I have to warn you all, bless your hearts, we swear a lot. <laughs> and And it's really like if you could imagine just being at a drunk party with three witches doing readings, uh, except we're stone sober, but we're laughing for a good bit of the time, and you just come in and you just put your question in the comments, and producer Nelsa writes it down and likes it, and that way you know you're in the lineup. 
and we just do our little one card. I usually I pull a card and Gladys pulls a card. We also have a deck we use called the Rebel Deck and another one called the Mood Deck. And Gladys calls them Bitch 1 and Bitch 2 because they are very <laughs> vulgar and uh, direct. And they'll say say things like, um, you know, you need to not eat so much ca- much salad. Kale's making you grumpy. You know, that sort of thing. And <laughs> it just goes downhill from there. But, oh, no, gosh, we're, we're very – we are rascals, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's it's a lot of fun. We love doing we love doing Thursday night reading. So tomorrow night, everybody needs to join us and uh, come get a reading. And yeah, no yes. charge at all. We're just doing it for fun. And it That's is so fun. Great. Yes, it sounds terrific. And yes, I'm going to put it put that on our Facebook page too, so people will remember Wonderful. to join in because that is. I, I remember when was it last year? I think or the year before you were doing something similar to this. And it was great fun. I mean, you ladies were having a blast, and it was wonderful we do. We to be a, a part too of much it. Fun. Yeah, yeah, we have a little <laughs> bit too much fun. We do get a little out of control, and we we will sometimes have a studio audience that comes in to sit with us, and um, we just it's we're yeah we get a little rowdy. Well, that's great. Yeah. Yep. I think we all need a little bit of that now. That's wonderful. I don't it know. Really we is. we might be an overdose for some people. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, are you teaching? Yeah, well, that's great. Um, are you teaching any classes coming up that people should know about? Well, locally, we have classes here, at, free classes here at Crossroads all day long, Saturdays and Sundays. And then Eric does his singing bowls on Friday nights, and he teaches yoga on Sunday mornings, and all that's free. And then we do, uh, I, I don't do any more streaming classes, but I have a YouTube channel that has lots of banked classes. We have classes on our Facebook page. If you go through the videos, you'll see tons of classes in there. And then we, I also have on our website a classroom where you can order specific classes. And so you just go to crosswiththecult.com and click on classes, and it'll take you to all those different places. Well, that's great. And now what if somebody wants a private session with you? You said you work remotely. So how would they arrange that with you? Crosswiththecult.com. You just click on spiritual cleansings if you're needing a remote cleanse. You can click on tarot readings if you need a tarot reading. And uh, it'll walk you through the process of doing that. The tarot readings and the cleansings are both sixty-five dollars. Well, that's very reasonable. Yeah, oh we God. haven't raised our prices in many years. My goodness, that's great. Yeah, that's so generous. These days, really. People yeah. need it now more than ever, you know. And we we don't feel the need to fleece people with triple-digit charges or anything like that. We just want to make sure that people know what they need to know and that there's some kind of energy exchange there for the time that we're investing. That's, so That's wonderful. Well, yeah, and again, the name of your new book is Uncrossing, Identify, mm-hmm. Cleanse, and oh. Heal from Hexes, Curses, and Psychic Attacks. Although, I have to tell you, I like your subtitle a lot better. <laughs> Thank you. So do I. And that was the name of the presentation that Eric and I did for years on that subject because it really was about analyzing what's going wrong in your life and, oh, maybe it's a curse or maybe it's not. How can you detoxify your life? And Llewellyn said, yeah, no, we're not doing that. Uh, <laughs> what is it? I did include a lot of the. 
I, I included a lot of the information from that discussion in the book about removing toxic people from your life and uh, creating a more healthy, energetically healthy environment around you to support your own energetic needs. Yeah, oh, that's wonderful. Well, everybody, you need to get this book because it is terrific, and it's it's not only full of information, but it's also very entertaining because Katrina's a great writer, so don't miss this <laughs> one. Then it would make a great gift. We're coming into holidays in a couple months. Hey, it's a perfect cool. time. Buy that book. We <laughs> loved it. We really did. And, Katrina, thank you so much for joining us tonight. What a blast this has been. It's so much fun to talk well, to you. Thank you for having me. It's always a joy to be on your show. Thank you. Well, and I have to say that you know so much about the psychology of people, probably more than some of the psychologists I know. And you have just a wonderful way about you that really gets to the bottom of things. And I think anybody who works with you should be very grateful that they pulled you you into their lives. Yes, I think you're at the top. You're one of the best. Thank you. Well, what's your next book going to be? Not happening. <laughs> what? Our, our shop. No, you know, Eric and I are the only ones who run our shop. We don't have a staff here. And we have gotten so busy that there's really nothing else to do. There's no writing time. And I have a fictional series I need to finish. I, I'm in the middle of book of an eight-book series, and, and it's it was due last December, and I've really got to get that done. But other than that, I'm not going to be writing any more nonfiction because I've written almost 40 nonfiction books. And That's a I'm lot. just worded. I don't have anything left in terms of <laughs> any, I've, I've even mostly stopped blogging because I'm tired of hearing my own voice. Oh, my and gosh. So I'm taking a little break on that and trying to get the fiction done. I may go back into some personal blogging soon because I've had some traumas and experiences that I kind of need to work out. So that might be coming up, but I don't expect to do any more Llewellyn books or uh, professionally published books anymore. I'm tired. You certainly have enough out there for everybody to enjoy, and so I know people will be looking for them on Amazon and in their bookstores. So thank you again, Katrina. Thank you. Really appreciate it, and good luck with this book. Thank you very much. It's terrific. And next week, everybody, we'll be back with another great show. Until then, see you on the Blue Highway. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.